Hello, friends, and welcome to Within the Musician podcast. This podcast is a place of discovery for all students, performers, educators, and future educators. My name is Monica Williams. I'm a flutist, teaching artist, recording artist, performer, composer, and lifelong learner. Join me this week as I talk to some very special guests, my students. This will be a two-part podcast. The first part, I'm going to talk about my personal journey with online teaching and how I feel like I've grown as an artist and teacher during this time period. The second part, we'll be talking with my students. I have eight students from junior high to high school talking to us about both their struggles with online learning, but also how grateful they are for having teachers that really go above and beyond for them in their classroom. As an educator, I find it's important to not only know about your students' musical abilities, but to know about everything in their life that could affect the learning and creative process. This was an interesting conversation, so I hope you'll stick around and hear what these amazing students have to say at the end of this podcast. So I thought I would start off this episode by telling you a little bit more about myself. I've been teaching for the last 20 years in person. And of course, for the last eight months, I've been teaching online virtually like the rest of the world. In mid-March, I will admit I was a basket case trying to think about ways of actually teaching music online. I thought it couldn't be possible. And are students going to really want to continue online? Is music really essential? This, this keyword that kept going around, only essential workers. Am I not essential for what I deliver? Is music not needed? All of these fears were manifesting in me and I needed to get control of it so that I could be there for my students. And through this process, I think I've really grown as both an artist and a person and a teacher. And in some very strange way, I'm kind of appreciative of this period of time that's helped me for this growth. I think that although I was a good teacher before, I became comfortable in it. You get comfortable doing the same things or rotating through the same things still there for my students and I got to know them personally, but there is something with being comfortable and not challenged. And so I guess I asked for it or we all asked for it and we were challenged in massive, massive ways. Uh, So I wanted to take some time and just share how I feel like I've grown as a teacher. And of course, I will go back to in-person learning in the future, but there's going to be some elements that I bring forth to in-person teaching that I've learned from my virtual teaching. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was just, is music essential? And I really think it is. When I think about this, I realized that my goal was not to create professional musicians. If that happens, all the better. 
music is is an amazing field to go into. Difficult, but amazing. But that was not my goal. My goal was to take music and use it as an outlet to create students that were happier and healthier and more successful critical thinkers and more independent people. And if there was ever a time that this was needed more, it's right now. It's now when we have a global pandemic. Events are canceled. Sporting events are canceled. Graduation was canceled or reinvented. Prom was canceled. All these moments were canceled, but music was not canceled. Music had to be reinvented a little bit, but it was not canceled. And so every week I reevaluated what was working, what wasn't working. I came up with lots of ideas. Some of them didn't work. A lot of them didn't work. But each week I kept brainstorming and figuring out what my students need individually and collectively and how I could bring that to them. And I'm so grateful that I was able to figure out some new things and um, really happy with how my students have been not only making it through, but excelling. My students are progressing in amazing ways. Beginners that I started at the beginning of the year are almost done towards the end of the book. I started these virtual recitals. I've had some beginning students that have played in six recitals now. Granted, they're virtual, but still it's a performing experience. Uh, Other students have learned massive amounts of repertoire. Other students have just progressed in a certain skill set. I've had so many students that amazingly have really developed their own sounds. And I don't know if it's a deeper connection based upon what's happening in the world. It almost feels as if they're playing more from their heart. And it's a beautiful thing to witness and to help be part of the process. One of the most obvious changes that happened with virtual teaching was my students didn't come into my studio anymore. I was going into their personal space through technology, but still I was going into their space. By doing this, I realized that I was learning more about each student. For example, I would see that many of my students had amazing artworks on their wall. And while I knew that a lot of them did art, it was a different experience to see the different art that they're doing weekly. Because I believe art and music connect to one another. I could see a student's favorite baseball team that's all over their wall. I could meet pets. I got to understand their practicing space, how they practiced, where they practiced, the acoustical properties of that space, all which actually helped me inform how to strategize with that student. Part of my offerings to my students that was new were these group classes. And they were a hit in the early spring and into the summer. But I think as time went on, and especially as students went back to virtual learning in the schools, some of those classes just didn't feel quite as appealing. And that was okay. I still offer them. um, But I realized that 
in order to offer the variety of things I wanted to offer, it would be better to team up with other teachers. So during this period of time, I actually founded an organization called the Contra Costa Music Guild. And I want to mention this because I think that this is something that teachers can do and offer their students more. So I found a group of teachers and we agreed to offer classes to our entire student body. Uh, So there could be a theory class, a history class, specialty workshops, and a monthly virtual recital. And we took turns hosting these so that I didn't have to teach five or six group classes each week that I wanted to offer to my students, but I was getting a little exhausted with the quantity that I was trying to offer. So this was a great offering, not only to reduce a little bit of what I was putting out there, but also to give my students variety to meet other teachers, to see other students perform rather than just flutes. Now we have violins and cellos and piano, and it made us stronger together. So if you are wanting to offer your students more, consider maybe teaming up with some other teaching artists in your area to give a more broad experience. It's worked wonderfully. Um, And you can see how we formatted that on our website, the Contra Costa Music Guilds. That's something that really was very helpful for me. And I'm going to continue that. And in person, we're going to have some more offerings that are uh, collective like that. The other thing that was successful for my students was just coming up with ways to empower the students. Motivation kind of rises and falls. It's not a straight track. So there was two times that we had a practice-a-thon. And instead of just having a practice-a-thon and giving a small prize, it was a realization that our world was in turmoil. So in May, I did a -a practice-a-thon. And for every day a student practiced, I would donate two meals to Feeding America the meals somehow only costed 10 cents a piece, but that was something very small that I could offer and wanted to do anyway. And it empowers the student to do something good with their practicing time. And now we're doing this for our entire student body of the teachers that I'm working with for the month of November for gratitude. Again, the students are empowered to do something good to make a difference just by practicing. There's no time limit. It's just about connecting with their instrument and keeping the motivation and joy alive. Some of the other offerings that worked well was a Halloween recital. It was so fun. I've never done this, and I will continue this, hopefully, uh, when we're in person. Students dressed up, some of them, and we played short pieces for one another. It was fun fun. It was engaging. It was about joy. And it was about being a child, but yet showcasing your skills and sharing your music. Because that's what music is, is about, is sharing. And so I get to help my students see that greater purpose in music because music does matter and all the while I'm doing this for my students I'm also doing it for myself I'm doing it to revalidate that music matters because I think all of us teachers students parents the world it's felt like it was upside down and you have to ground yourself yourself 
And so for me, teaching was almost a way to ground myself, to keep myself sane through the insanity of what was transpiring in the world. So I'm very grateful for my students to help me as much as I have, I feel like I've helped them. And let's face it, this has not been easy for students. Uh, Their resilience in many ways, as you'll hear in just a bit, but they feel less seen. They feel as if their little picture on the Zoom box when they're in a group class, that the teacher can't even recognize their face, as one student said. Another student didn't think that her teacher knew how to say her name. And I think that as wonderful as our teachers are, and they are, they're working so hard, there's nothing like the one-on-one connection of private music because they're not lost in the mix. They're not one of 30 little squares on Zoom. It's just me and you. We're just going to talk about what you need and how your week went and how we can help aid your week for the next week. And so in that, music was essential. Private music is essential. I could go on and on about things that I've learned during this time period, but I don't want this podcast to be consumed with these ideas. One last thing I will say is it's been a joy to witness musicians and teaching artists coming together to share information in order to make it through this time period. So if you're a teaching artist, private music teacher, and you need ideas, there's so many Facebook groups that you can go to. If you don't know about a Zoom setting, it's you post a question and you'll have 30 or 40 teachers answering you within the first hour, it seems like. So our community as teachers, I feel like, has gotten stronger and stronger. So that's another benefit of this whole crisis that we've really been in. So I want to get to the main part of the podcast, my wonderful, talented, brilliant students. Uh, So we're going to transition to that segment. So my guests, as I explained earlier in the segment, are my personal private flute students. And I'm so happy to have eight amazing students to talk about the virtual learning processes and feelings they're having around virtual learning. So I'm going to have them introduce themselves. And if you guys can give me one word that will describe how you're feeling, or it doesn't have to be one word, a couple of words describing how you feel about your virtual learning process. Uh, Crystal, if you can go first. Hi, I'm Crystal. Um, For virtual learning, I'm feeling pretty relaxed about this style. Awesome. Relaxed is a good good thing to be feeling about this. And let's Isabel. Hi, I'm Isabel. Um, I've mainly just been feeling kind of bored from virtual learning. Very honest. And uh, can you tell us your grade so everyone knows? Uh, I'm in eighth grade, actually. Um, I'm Claire. I'm a junior. And I would describe distance learning as really mentally straining. Wow, yes. That makes a lot of sense. Drishti. 
Um, hi, my name is Drishti, and I feel conflicted about online learning. Yeah. Understandable. Caroline. Hi, I'm Caroline. Uh, I'm a senior, and I suppose I'd be feeling like calm, but in a lackadaisical kind of way. Hmm. Nice. Interesting. Okay, Lexi. I, I'd say uh, uh, I'm Lexi. I'm a freshman, and I'd say the main way I can describe online learning for me so far is just kind of exhausting. Hmm. I get that. And Lisa. Um, hi, I'm Lisa. I'm also a freshman. And I'd say that online learning has sort of been kind of stressful, but also repetitive. Hey, my name is Arhan. I'm a junior. Uh, and I would say that I'm also conflicted about online learning. Because while I feel that I have much more control over my schedule, uh, I definitely feel strained uh, because of sitting, you know, hours on hours staring at a computer screen. Good point. Good point. Okay, we're going to delve into all of this a little bit more. I want to start off uh, asking about the, those of you who have actually changed schools. So if you transitioned from eighth grade to ninth grade, how that experience has been for you? Do you feel like you've even kind of gone up the ladder, so to speak, um, in your schooling? Or do you kind of feel like it's just a big year that continued on from eighth grade? So let's talk to our freshmen first. How about Lisa? Can you tell us your experience of freshman year for you? Um, honestly, I think that I haven't, I don't feel like a freshman. I don't feel like I've gone into high school because I've never really had the high school experience. I've never really been to anything. And I'm really glad that I have like a group of friends that I still have. So it's a little easier on me than I think it is on other people that are going to different schools because they don't really have anybody. So I'm really grateful for that. It's great that you have so much gratitude for your group of friends. And we're actually in the Bay Area of California, and there's many feeder schools, unlike where I went to school in the Midwest. Uh, most of my classmates from junior high actually went to high school with me unless they went to a private school. Um, that's really not the case for many of you. So if you don't have a group of friends, um, you might not have that experience there. Yeah. Um, Lexi, can you tell us your experience with this? And sure, I don't think anything's really changed from last year because um, it mostly comes with what I'm learning. For like the two, for the two kind of repeat classes, classes that I basically already took, um, like most notably being algebra and Spanish, it just feels like most of it's just been review from last year and then learning like a few new things thrown here and there. So just it's mostly in academics that I feel like things haven't changed, but when it comes like in terms of like actually feeling like a high schooler, it's kind of there, mostly because of like the change of like people I have in my classes and talk to compared to middle school, but I don't think like much, much has felt like it hasn't changed. I could understand how that could could definitely be. I think the environment, the building that you go to is so much the part of a transitional experience. Um, that that to not have a building to transition to it could feel like you're not really transitioning to a new school and therefore a new point in your life really 
Um, okay, the next topic I want to talk about is connection, and that we kind of already hit on this a little bit, or some of you hit on this a little bit, is um, there is a difference when we do our normal private lessons, we're one-on-one, -on -one, but in a virtual classroom uh, like school, it's a little bit different. Do you feel like your teachers have that connection with you? And I want to start off with the seniors in this group, because I think that this is a really important time for you, because you are transitioning to college and and um i want to ask how you feel about being a senior and being virtual learning do you feel like that connection is there are you getting the support you need um caroline maybe you can start with this question um for me personally the connection is definitely a bit different from what i'm used to um i'd say in general it's a bit more difficult to make connections with teachers just because you have to like actually seek them out. Um, it's, uh, this is something that I found pretty quickly um, that I took for granted in normal school just because normally like you can just go up to a teacher and ask them a question or just like talk about something. Whereas now if you don't go to office hours, it's pretty difficult to catch a teacher. Um, so that portion of it has definitely changed. But I'd also say that teachers are much better about checking their email and mm, I guess really using the online methods of connection that we have. So I'd say that it's 50-50. It's definitely, I would say, a bit of a weaker connection, but it's still there, just a little bit different. That's a good way to explain it. I, I, I think that all of us have, you know, as educators, have had to reinvent how to communicate. So I'm glad to see that and hear that teachers are really responding more electronically to you. Drishti, how do you feel about this? Um, I definitely feel like the connection is still there. I just think it's a different type of connection because before it used to be like, what Caroline said, like you really had to seek the teacher out. You would go during lunch, you'd go after school if you had questions, or if you really wanted to de develop a relationship with your teacher, that's what you would do. Um, but now I've noticed in myself and my classmates, there's not as much motivation to do that. But in contrast, a lot of the teachers are making themselves a little bit more available because they know it's a hard time. Um, but I'm pretty sure a lot of my teachers probably don't even know my name right now because there's not that facial recognition either because everything is on a screen. So, yeah. That's interesting that you break up the facial recognition. I, I have a question about that. Maybe we'll dive into right now, but before we do, there's sometimes not as much facial recognition. How many of you, oh no, I, I can see you now, we're recording on Zoom, so that's, that's easy for us to do. How many of you leave your cameras on for your teachers? Uh-oh. <laughs> okay, so it looks like a couple, two, three, four, okay. Um, and I think this is something I'm hearing a lot. Okay, even more. Uh, it, I'm hearing a lot is from teachers because I'm in a lot of groups and I talk to a lot of teachers is it's really hard when there's not a whole lot of, of cameras exchanging. So um, 
and that probably that probably hurts with the connection as well not only for you and your teacher but also for other classmates right it can be distracting too let's let's, let's face it i mean i know that the the camera thing can be distracting when you're trying to listen to your teacher and someone is you know eating an oreo cookie you know while you're trying to to do the class i totally get it uh how do you guys feel about cameras how do you feel about them do, do you like does it feel intrusive to have a camera in your personal space what's what's your thoughts right there how about if we start with claire um i used to constantly have my camera on during class but it became an issue of like my personal home i couldn't but like i also realized that even when i had my camera on in the past my teachers would confuse me really often with other students and like, so I just, I realized that like, even if I have my camera on, it's like teachers don't really know who you are unless you like go to them after school and talk to them. So, so that's, that's interesting. So if they would get you confused with other students, why do you think that is? I'm not really sure, but I always get confused with another girl in my classes. She's in like two of my other classes and my teachers always get me confused with her. So I'm not sure why, but that's frustrating, especially on on Zoom when there's the name is right there, too. So that's that's frustrating that that's happening. I could see why you wouldn't want to turn on a camera if you're not even being recognized for the person <laughs> who you are. How about Lisa? How do you feel about this? Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I've had my camera on in class like twice and it was when it was required. I like not having to have your camera on. I like it being a choice. But then again, it sucks because, for example, because I'm a freshman, this is a new school, no teachers know who I am. Like, I don't think any of my teachers know how to say my name. So it's kind of tough. But then again, like Claire said, through the screen, they can't, they can't really recognize you that well. So I don't think having your camera on will make much of a difference. Wow. I mean, that's, that's another frustrating element. Again, I use that word because if they're not even pronouncing your name right, yeah, that doesn't even give you much inspiration for wanting to um, turn on your camera and, and reach out. Um, I guess that's, that's definitely a disadvantage. Um, so sometimes it sounds like some teachers are requiring it. Some teachers are not requiring it. I get that. Lexi, how do you feel about this? I think that, well, basically making making kids sit in front of a video camera, in front of a computer, just being forced to pay attention. It's, it's expected of us in school, but there it's a bit easier to focus. At home, there's things like phones, little objects you have on your desk, or that might just be me, like drawing, reading. There's other things that kids like can get distracted by or would rather be doing. And like being forced to sit on video and then just watch like the screen sometimes just gets tiring. Yes, so that's... I that's another whole whole point is is that you're just sitting in front of the screen. We'll we'll get to that in a second. Are there any classes that you feel there shouldn't be any requirements to? I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like there shouldn't be requirements for your camera in any class? The only class that I actually am required to have my camera on is PE. 
and I I get why they're doing it because they need proof that we're actually exercising. But yeah, I still don't I still don't like it because physical activity for a lot of people can be just something that they're like pretty shy about and being on video just kind of makes that worse. Yeah, we had talked about that before. I, I would have a problem with that. I exercise every day and I think about that. If I had to do that in front of a camera, I think that that would make that um, more difficult, especially especially being a freshman in in school. I totally get that. Yes, that's that's. That's a hard one. That's a really hard one. There's a validity to have why they ask that, but still, it makes it, it makes it really hard. Let's move on to the subject of focus. So Arhan, you had mentioned this in your, in your statement that focus and sitting, just the concept of sitting for long durations of time in front of a screen is difficult. Is there any techniques that you've kind of come up with to make this more manageable or bearable? I think that one of the first things I've kind of forced myself to do is keep the camera on, right? We just had this discussion about keeping your camera on. And one of the reasons I think it's helpful is it kind of forces you to stay as focused as you can be, because when you don't have that camera, you don't have that restriction. You're free to do whatever you want. Uh, the other thing is when the school schedule suggests you take a break or you go eat lunch, I think it's important, and I do this myself, you actually take those breaks because a lot of students will approach the day with the attitude that I'm going to sit in this chair all day. I know it's technically, you know, in quotes, break time. I'm just going to watch YouTube or something. And I think that's really unhealthy for your mind. So when someone suggests take a break, I really do, um, you know, take breaks. Yes, too much screen time. I mean, it wasn't really meant to sit in front of a screen. So doing other things, you know, can really, um, really help that. Oh, we all do music, of course, here. So does anyone use their their breaks to do some music to help with that? Does, and does it help you? Does it help you to have music to help you kind of just switch gears and refresh and recharge and come back for that second session or third session? Claire? I've tried, I've started implementing that, like, because I remember you mentioned that in our lesson, and I've been doing that a lot more, and I think it really helps me break my focus, because when I play my flute, I'm, like, I'm in the headspace of playing it, and I direct all my focus to it, so it's like, if I, for instance, if I'm on, like, a chem problem, and I really can't solve it, sometimes just breaking away from it can help me regain, like, my focus and kind of my balance, so I think that's really important. That's great. I'm so glad you do that. Lisa, you had something to say too. Um, yeah, I do take, I, a lot of the time I take my lunch break and then I just practice music because I like during the school hours, I like to just stay productive. I don't like knowing that like I went and sat and watched TV in another room for 45 minutes instead of doing something else. So I like taking that time to practice just to feel productive. That's great. Yeah, I think that music can help you recharge if you if you kind of structure it that way to 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 help that. And as, as Arhan said, it's it's it make getting away from your screen is actually very helpful. What would you like your teachers to know? Your t teachers are constantly trying to reinvent this playbook of online learning. Is there anything that you feel like you would like your teacher to know that's that maybe they don't know? Okay. Um... I would say that I'd like to let them know that we're very appreciative that they are spending so much time and energy trying to make this realistic and doable for us. 
because um, I know that uh, at the church fellowship that I go to, a lot of the counselors there are actually teachers in high school and middle school. And we talk a lot about how a lot of their assignments, like they've never done before, they're just making them like one by one by one because normally they do them all in class and that's very different. Um, so I would like to tell teachers that we really do appreciate the effort that they're putting into making this work. Good point. Yes, I'm very appreciative of that. Does anyone feel like you're getting more work than you would if you were doing actually in-class learning? Um, well, for my academic classes, not really. I would say we actually get less work. But I think the one class that has really changed is band because usually that class just it's just rehearsals and your homework is practice. Um, but now we have a lot more work that we have to do outside of class, at least for me. There's a lot of recordings. Um, we've also had a lot of written assignments as well. So I think I've been spending a lot more time outside of class for band more than any other class now in quarantine. Yes, and band directors are doing an awesome job, but as we know, it's just so hard without the ensemble experience. Isabel, you're our lone junior high representation here. How do you feel? Is it is because I believe that a lot of the schools have switched to even block schedules, right? So instead of doing your 45 minute classes, you're doing very long classes. How has that changed for you? Is it productive? Do you have more work? Do you have less work? Um, I kind of like how we have different classes on different days. Like we have even number classes and odd number classes on different days. So we don't have to like do the same thing every day. Yeah, and that's kind of like it is in college. I always kind of like that. I guess it, um, I guess it could be, um, depending upon the teacher, you know, 90 minutes for gym, I think would be really hard for me. <laughs> um, but um, other classes, I, I think it would be, it would be fine. I think that especially with online learning, getting an actual and genuine understanding of a subject is so much harder because first of all, you, you don't have that face-to-face -face kind of discussion with your teachers about that subject. And, you know, they're having a harder time connecting with students. So having this block schedule means that instead of being overwhelmed by a massive load of information every day, you're limiting the amount of classes you're taking and spending more time in each class, which I think ends up being easier on your brain and ends up meaning that you understand each subject at a deeper level, I think. So you like the block schedule? Yeah, I think it's very beneficial um, for you know a number of reasons. Okay, so I want to talk about bands since we're a lot of us are in bands and and music. Um, as Tristan mentions, that band is very different, very different than in person. Uh, Crystal, I know that your band director is is doing the soundtrack. Uh, how has the virtual projects been for you? And what do you think you um, will take away learning from doing music this way in your future years? Well, for me, uh, there's a lot more recording and there's like a lot more songs and I feel like his songs gotten a lot harder. So I'm just here like trying to figure out even how to play the flute rather than learn the song. 
you know how to play the flute, <laughs> but. So, um, it's been really hard, especially since flute, what are we known for, like, high notes and, like, run, like, just random notes, like, you just hear a random flute note and you're like, yay! And then, it's really hard lining these things up, especially as, like, as higher, no, as, I can't talk, sorry. <laughs> The note gets higher it's harder to like tune with each other and like yeah and run like fast notes are super hard to like match with each other because like it's fast notes everyone's like going at certain speed and like we're not cool enough and smart enough to actually like edit these things <laughs> there is a learning curve to editing Yes. Well, you know, is one thing I love about this as a as a teacher is I've always encouraged all my students to record themselves and listen back. So this is forcing you to record yourself um, and listen and, and pitch bends and, and balance. When you get to perform something, it goes by in the moment. Um, but when you have to record it, you have to actually analyze the the audio playback. That's maybe not something we do all the time that I'm hoping will really help with things like intonation and balance and and getting more comfortable with technology. It's actually here to stay. Technology, you know, beyond COVID will be here. So that's that's definitely um, here to stay. Let's and another subject of, of music. I know that Lexi, you're doing marching bands. Tell us about marching bands in the age of COVID. So marching band during COVID is kind of different. At first, um, we were supposed to have camp, but then it was canceled. But then it was brought back, but only for percussion, um, pit, and color guard, which were the instruments that didn't require air to use. We had to stay socially distanced and everything. Um, and we, like the um, percussionists didn't learn marching techniques. It was mostly just playing music from um, winter percussion the season before and color guard and um, people learning the basics. Right, but are you playing your flute while doing marching band? No. No instrument while doing marching band. So literally it's just the marching. They probably could have just retitled that marching and, and left the band part out of it, that whole thing. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, marching band is a very social group. I, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm so glad that they continued that. They did it. It's, it's very different. And I give your school tons of credit for figuring out how to, to, to do music, even though there wasn't the music aspect of it. Because as we talked about earlier, you're a freshman. There's probably lots of new friends and people that you met there, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think the main important part of it was, of course, learning how to march, but then also like letting the new people like meet their sections um, and get just for like, get a feel for how things are supposed to run normally. Yes, yes. Um, and Arhan, I know that you have, you, you have been doing and continuing music and bringing music. You want to tell us a little bit about how you're continuing to bring music in this, in this time? Because I think it's so beautiful. So actually, funnily enough, um, I think so this year I didn't take a uh, band. I used to do, you know, band in middle school. And then for ninth and 10th grade, I did jazz band. And this year, because of quarantine, I thought it would be better to kind of pursue personal music endeavors instead of participating in uh, jazz band. So quarantine was actually the reason I, I didn't take jazz band this year. But what that opened up for me is time where I could work on producing my own music. And I got started with Soundtrap because it's a easy and, you know, kind of beginner software. 
and I started just messing around, you know, pulling together different tracks, um, singing even a little, and putting those things together is a, you know, a fun, creative, and different thing that I didn't think I'd be doing when I started music. So I think just, you know, staying creative during this time is important. And, you know, whether that's through music or other creative endeavors, I think in general, creativity is kind of the key to sanity during uh, the pandemic. I love that creativity totally is the key to sanity during this pandemic. And, and, and as you're producing it, we're going to probably put that out. And so people can be on the lookout for that um, in the future. But can you tell us a little bit about your performances that you've done? Because performing is, is, is definitely something that is kind of on hold for most of us, but you've done some virtual performances. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So um, one of the things uh, I've done on a weekly basis, and I think everyone should should do this to, to some extent, because not only is it community service, but it's just a nice thing to do. So oftentimes, uh, especially during the pandemic, we're finding that senior centers, while they're getting a lot of medical attention, that personal connection is really being left out because people are afraid that, you know, they're going to catch the virus, especially because it's a senior center, right? That's, that's where the, you can say the virus thrives. So people are scared of going there. Right. And what's that left is this, this kind of emotional void almost where, where these people don't have anyone to connect with. So what I do every week is for, for an hour, uh, me along with one of my friends, we play songs for them through Zoom. And we alternate different songs. I, I play some flute pieces. He plays some piano pieces. And more than that, we also have a conversation with them about music. Um, because, you know, playing is one thing, but also having a conversation and, and just chatting with them, it, it's, it's, a, it's a nice thing to do. And I think um, it's also beneficial to me as well, because, you know, I get to perform. It, when quarantine started for me, it was like, Oh, I'm not going to get to perform again for a while, but this often opened up uh, an opportunity. That's great. Yes. And, and you had been doing that actually before, as you said. Um, so it was nice that they saw the value and figured out how to get the technology to the, to the senior residents so that they could continue to have music and a, and a live personal experience of that. Cause you could play recorded music, but I think there's something to even over the, over the computer playing live music. So that's awesome. One thing that we've been doing as a studio in school has been offering and doing these virtual recitals. And I know a lot of you have participated in those. Um, it's a different experience for sure, but why would you want to participate in a virtual recital when it's so different? Tell us your experience of that. Maybe Isabel, you can start because I know you've done several of these. Um, I found that the virtual recitals were like a lot less stressful than the ones in person. I think a lot of the performance anxiety was taken away because I don't know, it doesn't really feel like they're like, like you're performing in front of like a bunch of people. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's totally true. It's, it's a completely different experience. But do you think that when we do go back, because eventually everything will go back to somewhat of a normalcy, do you think it'll make it easier for you to perform when you do go back? Or is that going to be about the same? Because some nerves are good, right? Uh, yeah, I do think it'll be easier because I'm just used to it now. 
Yeah. And, you know, there is something to be said about having a goal to practice for. So performances have always been historically musicians goals. Like you learn a piece and you perform it generally, you know, it's whether it be bands, whether it is a personal solo, but there's usually an end game of, of a performance that's, that is happening. Um, so I like that we have this, this way to continue this, doing this virtually. Um, the learning process. I know some of you have been doing teaching assistantships and, you know, teaching a little bit privately um, on your own to help other students that are in need. How has that been going? Crystal, I know you've been doing that. Do you want to speak to this? Well, I've been tutoring this little kid for English because he just moved over from China. And then it's been super hard to know him, like, personally since... Like, you have a distance with them, so you don't know who they are as a person. You only get to see them, like, what, four times a week for an hour. It's been super awkward because I'm trying to, like, translate things for him. And I'm like, click on this button, and he has no idea what I'm talking about. So I have to, like, try to tell him, oh, this says this in English. Please click on this button. Like, super hard. So it would be much more easier in person to, like, literally physically show the 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 things that you're talking about i get that That, that's challenging arhan for me the teaching experiences that i've had online is is more about my leadership positions in uh school clubs specifically latin club and the you know public speaking officers club and so when we have these because usually uh, i go to miramani high school and we have a huge culture of speech and debate and usually when this giant group of freshmen come into the school we spend so long training them and uh really getting to know them and all of a sudden we can't do that anymore so i've had a kind of an interesting experience working with uh we have a buddy system so um i'm working with you know three other buddies and and helping them kind of adapt to speech and debate in the online setting and what i've learned about teaching people online whether it's you know something as random as speech and debate or, or music is that it's harder to connect with them and i think that makes me kind of sympathize with my teachers a little bit more because when you can't be in the same space as somebody there's sort of a disconnect that you can't really explain but it's there that makes sense to me there is a vibe thing that's that's sometimes not transferred as easily especially in a in a group environment i get that i get that a lot Speaking of vibes and the differences between online and virtual classrooms, what do you think is missing from the virtual world that you had in the in-person world that you really miss? Arhan? I mean, if you, if you haven't already figured it out, I, I love to talk. Um, and I, I can't do that as much anymore. Um, you know, in the classroom, talk, talking and... And here's the funny thing, teachers also miss this, the goofing around that, that goes, that goes into the cla- classroom atmosphere. You, obviously you don't want to tick your teachers off, but for the longest time I thought, man, teachers have got to hate this, but I was having this kind of deep conversation with my math teacher. And she said, you know, I really miss the, the goofing around because yeah, I, I have to put up with it, but it's this kind of friendly and, um, just nice atmosphere that that goes on into a school. You know, it's about those 
times where you laugh over the stupidest things and you can't really do that over zoom you know with zoom it's you know one person talks at a time um and, and having those conversations with with your teachers you know at lunch about random things or hanging out with your friends after school all that sort of goes away and you need to think about okay how do i keep myself mentally healthy when i'm losing so much of the social connection that's really well put there's there is that humor is is how a lot of us relate to one another and and some of the humor is is definitely lost in the technology thing good point arhan yes tristy um well i'm actually kind of the opposite i'm not an extremely social person so at the beginning i was really glad that everything was online so that i wouldn't have to talk to too many people um, but after a while like it started getting to me too because every day i used to get to see my friends i used to like get to interact and um you know obviously we don't get to do that anymore and especially as a senior like you know everyone thinks of senior year as this time when you're supposed to really like let go and have fun because it's your last year of high school and i know for me and my friend group like we haven't exactly been able to do that so it's also um that like that lack of interaction and being able to um really participate in like school activities or like arhan said like going and hanging out after school and stuff like that definitely gets to you especially when this is the last year that we'll be going to school together so it's like we kind of want to make the most of it so yeah yes and it, it is hard hopefully later in this year things will go back to normal so you can have a finality to your senior year but i i get it that's 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 super hard anyone else have a story about social connections or their lack of? I have a bit of a different viewpoint on this. And I think that Crystal can relate to this as well. Um, but I feel like for me as a raging introvert, uh, going to school was always very stressful to begin with just because it's, what is it, eight hours straight of just having to be around people. Um, so actually, I feel like for me, although I have a really hard time seeing all of my friends struggle with just like the isolation, I think that I'm actually doing pretty well in this environment, um, especially because like none of my social connections are really gone either. I definitely feel like it's more difficult to get in contact with people. But I also feel like because everyone is now depending on these electronical ways of connecting to each other, it's also become almost easier for me, I think, because <laughs> I'm thinking about my church fellowship again. Um, we are still continuing to do things online every week. And it's definitely been more difficult to track people down but I feel like for me, it's like just the right amount of like community, but also not so much that I'm exhausted by the end of it. And I would definitely say that it's very different with friends from school because we don't have that set time anymore. But because a lot of my more extroverted friends have set up things like Discord uh, servers and this group chats, 
when I need, when I feel like I need that type of human connection, <laughs> um, I will just go there and try to see if anyone's there. And if not, I'll just hang around. And I think that because of my unique situation where school has always been such a stressful experience, I'm quite thankful that senior year is the year that I don't have to be at school. Thank you for sharing that, Caroline. That's very interesting. It sounds like a couple of you are saying social anxiety is a factor in your in-person schooling. So in some ways, virtual learning is a relief, which is interesting. Hopefully in this next upcoming year, through some of these technologies you're using, some of those social interactions will become more comfortable. At least that's my true hope. Yes, Crystal, you had something that you wanted to say on the subject? Um, For me, I don't live close by my friends. So, like, online messaging and stuff has always been, like, oh, it's really normal. And, like, I really like it because you don't actually have to look at the person, especially for online school. You don't even have to look at people, right? You can turn your cameras on, except for I turn my camera on. No, you can turn your cameras off, except for I turn my camera on. There you go. Uh, it's just that going to school in real life, you actually have to deal with people, right? You actually have that physical aspect, oh, you're standing in front of me. I actually have to like give you a response. I can't just like leave you on red, which I do all the time, so don't call me out for that. <laughs> and then you actually have to look presentable, you have to like be in the mood to talk, but if you're like online, you don't even have to take a shower for a week, and you're still thriving in class. <laughs> It's true. You don't need to take a shower to go to a Zoom class. And admittedly, I've worn more of my share of yoga pants during this virtual teaching uh, than I did when I was in person. You know, it surprises me that so many of you actually like the virtual learning because of the lack of social interaction. And to be honest, it kind of makes me a little sad because I know what amazing, beautiful people you are and you're worthy of human connection that's friendships that is in the same room and I understand social anxiety I myself still struggle with social anxiety sometimes and in high school that was definitely a thing but I think I got so much better by actually going to things like high school marching bands and high school plays and being in classes. So I worry just a little bit about the virtual learning disconnection socially because I think we learn by doing and I think we need to be in the same room human to human, student to students in order to be able to do that. So my wish and my hope is in the months and years to come that things will get back to some normalcy and you'll be able to experience this human connection without quite as much anxiety or unease. We've hit so many big topics here today, but I think it's time to wind down a bit. I thought we could end with something that's come up quite a bit in this 
talk is the appreciation that many of you feel for your teachers and the noticing of, of how much they're doing. And ironically, next week is Thanksgiving, so I thought we could take a moment and share our gratitude for your teachers, but also teachers that might be listening to this that might be feeling like they're not being heard or seen or making an impact. Can you give a message to those teachers? Oh, thank you, teachers. I know you're trying, and then it's very hard to focus in class, but we appreciate the effort, and we're kind of trying to. Awesome. Thank you, teachers. Uh, we definitely really appreciate the effort. My chemistry teacher actually just messaged like our entire class five minutes ago saying how much he appreciated us. And I was like, no, like we appreciate you so much more and just like everything you go through every single day. And you can't even see our faces most of the time, but like you still keep a happy attitude. It really means a lot. Awesome. Uh, Dristy. Um, I just want to thank my teachers for being like super flexible with us and like being lenient about things and um, just like giving us their effort and their time. Yeah. Awesome. Caroline. I want to thank all my teachers for really trying so hard to bring all of the normal curriculum onto an online platform that they're not necessarily familiar with. Um, as someone who's grown up with the internet, uh, I know that me and my peers, uh, we're often very much in tune with the internet, but only because we've been on it for our entire lives. Um, so I really appreciate all of your efforts for trying, just bringing everything on to an online setting. And also, yeah, just being more lenient with us in general. Um, Thank you. Awesome. Isabel. Uh, yeah, I'm really grateful to all of my teachers because I know they're trying really hard and taking a lot of time. And I know a lot of my teachers, they didn't really know how to use the technology before. So they had to learn all of it. Yes, lots of people had to reinvent how they did things. Lexi. I'm really happy for just how much my teachers have been working to do this year. After our first quarter ended, um, all the classes had a survey and a lot of teachers changed up how they do things based on how much work they give, how like how much like group work we do and what groups we work in. A lot of them changed how they do that stuff to help just make things easier on the students. And I know they're struggling, but I'm happy that my teachers are listening and they do care about like what we think, what we feel, and they're trying to help us like have the best sort of environment to learn, especially the teachers that are new this year. Awesome. And Arhan? Um, I would like to uh, thank all my teachers for, for three things specifically. Um, one, being very, very lenient, um, especially when it comes to, you know, deadlines and, and being very understanding of, you know, things, I say this in quotes, things that can come up, you know, with the pandemic, there's so many things that can come up and being understanding of that, you know, I understand that's more effort on their part. They have to grade more things into the night. Um, so thank you for that. Um, second, thank you for adapting to the new technology and really making an effort to understand it and make sure all the class resources are available to us even more, even to a higher degree than they maybe would have been in 
uh, real life learning. And finally, for continuing to crack awful jokes, um, just like they would in normal school. <laughs> so, you know, I really appreciate that. It really means a lot. So there's a little humor left. <laughs> That's great. Thank you all for coming and sharing your stories with us about virtual learning. As we know, this is the safest form to learn right now, but it's not without its challenges. But also, as you've shared, it's actually challenging us in a way that makes us stronger so that when we do come back to in-person learning, I have hopes that we will have grown. I've already seen you grow immensely through this time period of virtual learning, and I'm so proud of each and every one of my students. And so thank you for being guest on the beginning of my podcast, and I hope to have other episodes where I can feature students as well. I always learn from my students just as much as you learn from me, so it's a mutual exchange. I look forward to the time when we can make music in the same room again. Until then, I'm enjoying the virtual teaching experience with all of you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed this show, I would be grateful if you could like, share, subscribe, or review if you're on Apple Podcasts. This will help us out in the algorithms and help us to reach more listeners so the podcast can be found more easily. Until next week, bye-bye.